When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast, where we will be getting back to an amazing interview that we had with a very prolific author named Mark Muncy. Mark has some amazing stories and facts about Florida that most people are not aware of. If you happen to have missed last week's episode, I do encourage you to go back to your favorite podcatcher and listen. And for the rest of us, We'll get right back to this fantastic interview momentarily. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found with at podcast underscore from. Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar at YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We are still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks, and thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said... Let's get this episode started. And she was there, and they were having a problem. All their fruit was being stolen in the night. So they set up traps. They set up strings, thinking somebody was coming in and stealing their stuff. Or it might be fruit rats. And what they caught in one of the traps was a man who was about six inches tall. Covered in hair and naked. Right? Was this during spring break? In, was this, <laughs> 1940s I mean, was pre-spring break fever. So Wow. Um, <laughs> but now they knew about Tom Thumb, 
They knew, yeah. you know, Ringling. They knew Ripley's was opening his museum in St. Augustine. So they were, so they, they immediately thought, oh, he's a circus performer. You know, uh, he's screaming at him in a language they can't understand. Uh, covered in hair. So they knew he was a man. He wasn't a baby. And, and so they called the police. And the police come out. And they can't figure out what the guy's saying. And they're like, obviously, this guy is not who's stealing your fruit because, you know, one guy like this isn't stealing all your fruit, you know. And they think he's a circus performer, too, or something. So they, they let him loose. They cut him loose. Um, but they're still losing their fruit. So they keep the traps up. They keep the strings up. And the next day, they catch him again. And this time, they catch him with an orange. So they call the police back. Now, the police can't arrest the guy in handcuffs because he's too small. So they put him in one of the orange crates. And that's what stuck out with our part of the story. And, uh, and they take him to the police station. Now, this is our, our witness remembers him coming in in the orange crate. And uh, them trying to get a translator. They got a guy who spoke Spanish, didn't understand the guy. They got a guy who spoke Portuguese, same guy, didn't understand him. Um, they were trying to figure out what the hell language this guy was speaking. While they're doing that, back at the farm, all loose and tree, you know, branches are being thrown at them, fruits being thrown at the house, rocks are being thrown at the house, and it's dozens of these little people throwing stuff at them. And Whoa. so they're calling the cops back, please come help us, come help us. And the cops come back with the guy in the box, and they let him loose to to, to sedate the the, the mass protest or whatever's going on <laughs> and and it's nice to know cops haven't changed that much and then they, you know, and they go <laughs> off into the woods and so we're like oh my gosh so we find out later that the the late uh from another member of the family that what they did was they the one of the farmhands said oh they're red caps they're fae they're fairies from ireland or something like that and you've upset them with your farm. So you have to go get a blessed rock from Ireland and have it shipped here and put it out in your farm. And they actually did this in the 40s. Can you imagine the cost of this? You know, getting just some rock from Ireland in the 40s? You know, and um, <laughs> so we I'm have the directions the post, to our farm. I'm trusting the post office to get it to you. I exactly. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, probably private courier. You know, you know, it's a blessed rock. Come on, you had to have a priest blessed it. So, uh, but they they put the rock out there. Never had a problem since. That was the story. So we we had the witness. We had a few other things, and we're like, okay, this is awesome. But let's go find that rock. We gotta go see if it's out there. And uh, so we start researching. Figured out where her farm was. It is now owned by a conglomeration uh, that makes orange juice. And I'm not allowed to say their name, but it can rhymes I, with Schmappacana. Can I say yeah, so it? Yep, it rhymes with Schmappacana, so it could be any. Could, could be, be any of them. Right? <laughs> so generic. Right? So um, um, so we follow the directions and we're and we're taking and, and we called them and said, Hey, we'd like to just go see if this rock is there. And they're like, Oh yeah. Is totally there. Good, is this yeah. a good time to, to tell you about our new sponsor, Tropicana Orange Juice? I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I've yeah, never heard so of them. 
<laughs> Tropicana orange juice. I think they, enjoy, I think they sponsor the Rays baseball stadium down here in St. Petersburg. I, I'm not familiar with that. Enjoy, enjoy uh, the grass <laughs> while you listen to after the chat or in the shadows podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. See, but, I'm thinking about the six inch guy. I can't even remember the name of our podcast. I mean, <laughs> um, so we get out there. We're following the directions. They're like, "Yeah, go out, take a picture, whatever. Just be careful." There's, you know. You know, and, 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 you know, and all this, and we find some waivers, uh, you know, because we're driving on dirt roads out there and all that. And we, we're, we're taking the turn. We're taking the next turn, and we're like, oh, my God, it, it's here. And there are all these white boxes everywhere and uh, just standing out in the fields. And I'm like, what are those? And we pull up, and we're about to go walk over to where this thing is. And then that's when we realize, oh, those white boxes? This is where they keep their bees. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> so, so we didn't get a picture of the rock. And instead, my lovely and talented wife, uh, uh, she drew the picture of the gnome in the, in the box for our book. And she illustrates all our stories for those monsters that won't uh, pose for anything but blurry photos because they're all such divas. Uh, yeah, she'll bring <laughs> the legends to life for us with her illustrations. So. Well, so a couple, okay. I, so this story is fascinating, okay? Right. Just to, just for a point of reference, I looked up Tom Thumb. He was 25 inches tall. 25 okay? inches, right. 25 inches. So, there. I mean, there, even to think that, oh, my gosh, this is like Tom Thumb, uh, this would not, I mean, he Tom Thumb would be have to get kicked out of yep. the circus because this guy would yeah. definitely. Yeah, this guy would have dwarfed, yeah, would have dwarfed him. Uh, yeah, you know, I, mean, six in, I mean six inches. Well, think of it this way: yeah. as, as as a young man um, who had yeah. GI Joes, uh, GI yeah. Joe yeah. action figures were twelve inches tall. Right. Right. Yeah. GI that's Joe's what were twelve I'm thinking inches is, tall. Uh, that's that's why we're trying to get the original reports from the police department. Um, the problem is, the judge may understand this. Uh, you know, 1940s police department documents are a little tricky to find sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, there's a little pre, um, you know, pre internet archive stuff. So, and most of them weren't digital. Oh, they probably have all that stuff on what, on like microfiche and stuff like that, that they don't even have the machines to even look at. It. Yeah, it's probably yeah, that's, that's it. were too. Yeah, that's exactly. They went to uh, the the stockpile where they keep it all, and a lot of it has ruined from mildew and stuff like that. But they do have, because like I said, this town loves the weird stuff. They want gnomes so bad that they're, <laughs> they're digging through all that stuff. They've got a team that's been digging through it for years, trying to find that initial report because that one civilian worker remembers filing it. Now, he remembers it being about a foot tall not six inches but that's you know we're going by like i said a lot of different descriptions from you know only a couple witnesses and uh, well, i'm going well, off that initial okay. email listen six inches to 12 inches unless you're in a certain kind of film industry really <laughs> you know i mean we're split but i mean that's a tiny human being no matter a what. tiny and human obviously- and with full hair 
And you know, I just love that they were naked and that there was dozens of them. That's that's the part of the story that gets me that there were multiple. Um, so, so uh, and we met. There's obviously something there, though, if they went to the trouble of getting, like you said, getting yeah. a rock and putting it. Yeah. So, so there's obviously something wrecking havoc that they believe that this rock was going to yeah. cure. And that's, and that's what you, you we go through all is, this. You know, the thing mm-hmm. is that, and, and this is what strikes me about about the time frame that this happened. You know, people of that generation were just very accepting of folklore and very matter of fact that so the fact that they found a six inch man or a 12 inch man or whatever if you found that today obviously the word viral video but back then people were just accepting that well yeah this is you know because kids kids in that era grew up without television and radio and obviously the internet and so they grew up on folklore and stories and mythology, and that folklore wasn't wasn't just fantasy; it was reality to them. Yeah. So, um, so it, it it is as shocking as what it is to us now to hear these stories. Back then, I don't think it would have been as shocking to them because they grew up with these stories and, you know, and that was the one thing that, that I was actually talking with my daughter about who has to do the senior project. And I said, you know, one of the things project you should do is the importance of folklore and bringing folklore back into elementary teaching and quit teaching for the test because, you know, folk, folklore always has these, you know, universal messages to them. You know what I mean? As yeah. well as historical truth. So, yeah, I, I think maybe that's why these people, yeah, they were, you know, freaked out a little bit, but they were, they went to the hassle of getting a, a blessed rock from Ireland because they yeah. just really believed all this stuff was real because they grew up with it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, and now some of the stories, yeah, when we, we go out to investigate a place, we find there's a dark history behind it and that it has nothing to do with folklore. It's a cautionary tale because of something sure. dark that happened in the past. Um, that turned into, you know, one of our stories, uh, Mini Lights, which is a local St. Pete legend. Um, and uh, that one is, you would say the word Mini Lights three times at this one house, and these ghostly lights would come out and chase you. Well, that didn't make much sense to us. And then if you heard it on the south side of St. Pete, it was this uh, Mini Lights was actually Mini Lightning, the voodoo queen of St. Petersburg. And she would summon her alligator people who would come and kidnap you. What? Oh, gee. You know, how is that so different? Yeah, and then <laughs> so we start researching and you start looking I, into it. I think Florida should pay you to not tell stories and write books about it. Because <laughs> just, I mean, I mean, you're, oh, you're, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn everybody off to St. Petersburg here. So oh, uh, you know, I'm gonna kill my property value. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so many lights, we start researching, we start getting deeper into it. And, uh, and it was so funny because if you ask somebody on the north side of St. Pete, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's a ghost story. It's a legend. And you go on the south side and people are like, don't go messing with many lights. You, you, you're going to, you're going to, you'll wind up dead. Like, what the heck? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious. I'm trying to find this voodoo queen and her alligator people. I'm excited. You know, alligators in the sewers. Yeah, you know, that's the classic, right? Oh yeah. Uh, 
Well, to be, and, a, to uh, be honest, if you're weighing alligator people in the sewers or herpes-infested uh, monkeys in the uh, swamps, <laughs> I got to go with the alligator people. Because, exactly, you know. Because they're not, so, they may not have the lasting effect that the herpes Yeah, because, because well, I mean, think of it this way. Think of it this way. If if you you go out on a date with 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 a young lady and you have to explain to her now listen, I'm gonna be upfront with you about something. I have herpes, but I got it from a wild monkey that bit me. <laughs> and it's, it's like it's only it's mildly like the, fatal. Uh, it's like the whole yeah. uh, versus. You know, it's like the it's like the whole AIDS thing. You know, versus yeah. I don't about, know. about yep. they got it from uh, from eating uh, eating like chimpanzee meat or something. Yeah. Versus saying, well, I'm missing my arm because of voodoo crocodile or voodoo alligator. Yeah, voodoo crocodile guy got me. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, that's so, like, I'll be honest. That's a much believe that that is a much more believable story. If you said, look, you know, I, I lost my arm because an alligator man ate it, versus, oh yeah, I, I, I got herpes because I got bit by a wild monkey. I can't wait for the I can't wait for the first story out of the Everglades about a herpes infested skunk ape. I mean, you talk about you talk about a guy that has no chance. I think I saw that no movie. Chance. Yeah, he has no chance at ever dating. He stinks, yeah. number one, and then he's got herpes. He's got herpes, and he's just you know got big feet living out in the middle of the swamp. He, that guy's got no chance. But even but you know what? We'd even see we'd probably see him out somewhere with somebody because there is. There is truly. You know, I'm not saying, hey, Grover, I'm not saying that that description matches one of the members of our podcast, but hey, I'll leave it up to your imagination. Okay, is it kind of like we're not allowed to say Tropicana? We can't say Jerry? Is that what you're saying? Hey, I didn't didn't mention names. Listen, there's no no evidence that Jerry has, has herpes. So I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. Just saying. Just saying. He hasn't been. He hasn't been intimate with any monkeys down here, so that we know of. See, Jason's laughing because Jason knows something. Did, 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 I'm did not you, going to say anything. Okay. okay. <laughs> he refuses to incriminate himself. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, did you bite Jerry? Jason? So what did you, I mean? So what did you ever find out? I mean, so what did you ever find out about about the lights? I mean, was it the was it the voodoo queen or something else? It's so much worse. So um, the 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 house the house that supposedly was this thing was a boarding house, and uh, the lady who ran it was a Mennonite, and uh, Mennonite many lights, right? And she let. Hey, we're we're circling back. She let circus performers stay at her boarding house, hmm. and people used to yell at her and throw rocks at her house and say, "Mennonite, go away! Mennonite, go away!" And the circus performers would come out and chase, you know, and chase the crowd away. Well, the the crowd loved it so much that that encouraged them to do it more, until finally the house the house burned down. Right? Well. That part of the story is kind of legit, but it actually took place in Gibsonton, the town we were uh, talking about. That's across the bay. So how did that translate to St. Pete and Mini Lights and, and all this? Well, and Menna, is, this is, is, Mini, is Mini Lights a, a play on words of Mennonite? <laughs> that's what we were thinking. And then we found out that this is actually a combination of legends. So, yes, that is part of it. 
But the real part, the reason why the alligator people come steal you is because St. Petersburg at one point was the alligator farm capital of the South because this is where the train stopped before it went down to Miami. So they would have alligator farms here and they would entertain the tourists. And we were in the St. Petersburg Museum of History digging through their archives looking for stuff about mini lights and we accidentally stumbled on this and it was a fan advertising the alligator farm. And what it was is it looked like a copper tone ad of an alligator biting the butt of a small African-American child. <laughs> and, and we're like, this, what is this? This is horrifying. This is terrible. And then we started researching that train. And that's when we found out, oh my gosh, what the story is, is what would happen is these alligator farms would need entertainment. So they would kidnap children and throw them in the alligator pits and let them be chased by alligators to entertain oh, them. Wow. Oh my. And you would watch you would you would fan yourself with your little fan while you were watching this happen. Your and I'm like, this cannot be real. No, no, but it was, was totally gonna... totally real. Are and you serious? uh this is real. Yep, and that's why you don't stay out late on the south side of St. Pete because many lights will get you. That's actually the men with lights. And they would come out with their lanterns looking for kids who were out late that they could kidnap. And put oh, in the my God. This is, what? This That's is, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the crazy, like that. So what's the time frame? Like what? At what like the 30s, the 20s 30s. and 30s. So this is the height of the Great Depression. Mm. Unbelievable. So, I mean, here yeah. I was, I thought this was going to be, you know, you're talking about the Mennonite. This is really a bordello. Yeah. And that was, you know, we're going to have a Mennonite, yeah. you know, there's going to be a Mennonite, you know, the chick is going <laughs> to, you know. But as you're talking about yep. capturing little kids, Roman style, throwing them in the, throwing them in the ring to yep. fight off. Oh, my God. Now, yep. how much further investigation? I mean, because obviously some of these kids did not. Make. That's, Did you know, make. that's the problem is, do we know? You know, we don't know. This is this is the most records we found of it. They're still researching it. They're still investigating it. Now it's been handed over to, uh, we hand that over to uh, the uh, uh, University of South Florida, and they've got researchers looking into it. Because uh, there had uh, to be We partner people, with them a lot. There had to be people that watched this happen. And wh who I'm sure. Who were the people that watched? I, oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, there would yeah. be those would be people that were tourists coming down from the north. And if you if you understand yep. the great the Great Depression, so so understand historically the, the Great Depression is that um, you know people lost their homes, and so you would get these caravans of homeless people that would be living out of trunks of cars, and they would. You know, they would pull into basically fields and, you know, state parks, and they would basically have these, like, shanty towns. So you had these kids that would be running, you know, young kids that basically running rampant, you know, basically homeless kids. So, it was yeah, but, I mean, that would be perfect to, to, to grab saying, those kids. I'm, in, I'm, I'm merely, like, indicting the people who sat there and watched this happen and didn't, like, what kind of people are those? They could sit there oh. in, in the 1930s oh. 
believe that that was something that was, I mean, what, I mean, judge, you and I have come up with some crazy stories that we've turned into screen. Oh, yeah. And never once <laughs> we think in modern America that that yep. something like that could happen. Okay, so oh geez, that's hey, well, but Mark, but I mean, think of it this way. So so, but you got to think of it this way. If if you're a tourist and you come down on the train, you go to one of these alligator shows, you probably assume that this is part of the act that these kids right. are. Are, are part of the act that they're in on it. You know what I mean? Unless, yeah. of course, well, they're getting they don't accept the alligator and get eight. Yeah, right up into the point where the kid gets eight. <laughs> like, oops, yeah. sorry, you know, the show went the show went awry. Sorry about that, you know. Well, yeah. you think about this way. You think about this way. People, I mean, there are people that go to the circus hoping that the guy on the flying trapezes falls oh, yeah. and dies. I Why mean, do you watch an NASCAR race? You want to see the crash? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people watch it, watch hockey because they're hoping to see a fight. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a segment of the population, especially back then. I mean, the, the, that yeah. uh, well, kind of hoping that happened. So, and, so and, this... you know, there's something too. And keep this in mind too. That in, in I've studied some psychology and stuff too. That there's something about a, a group mentality that exonerates you from any personal liability. So if you're watching this transpire as part of a crowd, you basically have no personal liability for it. It's why it's why you get these, you know, you know, modern day you have these people that are rioting and doing all this stuff. This group mentality, they would never do that as a single individual, but when you put a group of people together, it sort of take it, it dehumanizes them and it's like, well, you know, it's not really my call. I'm just sitting here watching this. I don't have any responsibility. Yeah, there was there was other guys. Crazy. Mark. Mark, is this going to be part of the new book? Uh, absolutely horrifying, Florida. <laughs> we, we, uh, the next one, uh, yeah, no, we we covered that pretty good in all the other ones. I mean, in uh, the first Erie, we we hit many lights, and we hit uh, the Dozier School for Boys right out of the gate. So we hit some of the worst. Oh, right God. out of the gate. Dozier's- the Dozier School for Boys. Oh my gosh! That's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll keep going down the dark trail if you want. Uh, this one was basically a hundred years of state-sponsored child abuse that we still don't know the full extent of. Um, it was a school that uh, we went there looking for ghosts because we'd heard all the ghost stories. Was this place, right after it was, closed? Was this place the feeder ground for the alligator thing? I mean, these <laughs> it might have it, it <laughs> might have been uh this was in uh this opened in 1911 and it was in mariana florida which is up right on uh the panhandle georgia border and um it was supposed to house the worst of the worst of juvenile offenders child rapists child murderers you know of their you know kids who killed other kids kids who raped other kids and things like that and it was going to be 100 students were going to be there, or prisoners. And um, within 10 years... Our top 100. Yep, our top 100 of the worst are going to be put in this hellhole. Well, within a few years, it had 500 students with facilities for 100. Oh, my God. And then it got bigger. And uh, allegations of abuse start immediately. You know, kids are raping each other, you know, and murdering each other. And then it starts spreading to the staff allegations. 
and and it stays. And then a governor comes and looks at the place and he says, "This is there's so much wrong here, but I'm not going to shut it down." Uh, and uh, and it never gets shut down. And finally, 2011, it gets closed. What? That's how long it's open. 101 years. Wait a minute, 2011? Yes. Gets closed. All right. So, now we're trying to, you know, so, so, okay, dark spot of our history is closed. There, they go to, there's a boot hill there. And they start realizing this place kept some questionable records. Imagine that. Um, the Boot Hill has 31 markers, but there are only 24 recorded deaths at the place. Okay, and six so of a, those okay, were wait, staff. In a hundred years, yes. the worst of the worst are all kept together yep. five times capacity. And yep. they're trying to tell you that only 26 people of the kids died. Well, okay. Yep. Yep. And 30, and like I said, yeah. So, so, so the markers versus deaths doesn't add up. They also, now, as I said, it started as the worst of the worst. It became a place to get rid of the problem children of your town or your own problem children. Because kids started getting convicted and sending there for, uh, truancy, being late to school, got you sent to this hellhole. Uh, my favorite was one a kid got sent there for incorrigibleness in 1954. Oh, my gosh. So, so if you were ever incorrigible, which, you could be sent to Dozier. Which really makes sense to send a kid who was late skipping school to, to spend time with somebody who killed his yeah. brother or sister or the neighbor. Yeah. Really yeah, and a lot of it was mostly just kids without family who got arrested and had nowhere else to go, so they sent them there. That's basically what it became a dumping ground for. Um, and whenever the press would come or somebody would come, they'd put on all these great pictures of the kids playing boxing. They had their own little zoo uh, with an alligator. Uh, <laughs> and, a, and, a, um, and, a herpy, and a herpes-infested monkey. Infected monkey, probably. <laughs> uh, but, uh, um Anyway, they, uh, so they start, uh, Professor Kimberly from USF, uh, University of South Florida over in Tampa, she goes all the way up there to investigate this because she's hearing stories of these kids who survived it, you know, now grown men who are talking about the horrors of the things that happened there. And so she wants to investigate this boot hill. And they're telling her there's a second boot hill that they don't even talk about on the other side of the property. And so she gets up there and she starts doing ground radar, gets permission, because the state wants to sell the land. They want this gone. They want it out of their history. They're trying to sell it to a developer to make a power plant up there. And, um, but she gets starts investigating. She finds 55 bodies with 24 markers. Oh, oh my goodness. And no records. You know, so she start. you know, we start digging in and that's when we, you know, we, you know, she did most of the ground, but she did all the work. We just kind of hung along for a couple of rides to find out more about it. And it's crazy, the stuff uh, that we've discovered since. Uh, there's a, um, you know, records of the, of the kids would just be missing, presumed escaped. 
you know, student no longer here. Uh, they what? built a, yeah. yeah, they <laughs> built a thing called uh, the White House, which was this big white cinder block house in the middle of it. And that was going to be their new, um, uh, I, uh, was it, uh, isolation where they, you know, where they were basically, if you were so bad, we had to put you away from everybody else. We're going to put you in this thing. Solitary and confinement. Had giant solitary confinement. Thank you. I couldn't, couldn't think words this morning. And they, they put the big industrial fans on it. Why industrial fans on this thing? I mean, it's Florida. It's not air conditioned. So they're dying of heat stroke anyway. Um, but why industrial fans on this building? And so the story goes that that was because that's where they used to beat the kids. And that's where they turned the fans on so no one could hear the screams. Oh, boy. Oh, man. And, and the organization of survivors, the kids who survived this, uh, is called uh, the White House Boys, uh, whitehouseboys.org. If you want to read some really terrifying tales, um, that's where the survivors go to vent and to – you know, to talk about the things they endured. And it also is where you can, they can, you can help donate to their legal causes uh, to help them out because um, they're still trying to get closure. Uh, one of the Kimberly got sent up, Professor Kimberly got sent up to Tennessee where a boy who had been sent to Dozier had died and his coffin was sent to Tennessee and it was buried. Now she found a nephew, a grandnephew of the guy and so she finally had a family member. So she was able to get the body exhumed, right? She goes and digs up the body. They dig up the casket. The casket is just filled with wood. There was no body. What they had sent to the family was a casket filled with wood and a note that said, died while escaping, hit by a train. And so nobody thought to open the casket because they didn't want to see the body of a kid who'd been hit by a train. Oh, my gosh. So you know what basically happened is they just that, kept that kid, claimed he was dead, and probably totally knows what. They probably fed him to the alligator. Look, I'm telling you, there is a connection same the misplaced <laughs> in the alligator. It's, it's terrifying. You know, and that's just it. You know, and so, you know, that's, so when we went there to look for ghosts, we were just like, you know, we've got too much of a story here. We can't talk about the ghosts. It's just, you know, it's, it's, yes, there's ghosts and hauntings there, but you know, there's so much worse behind it. So you went on a ghost, you went on an investigation there with ghost hunters or not? That, uh, we went on with a, one of the few that have been allowed because mm. right now that area is completely off limits. Uh, because it's, again, state still owns it and is trying to get rid of it. And they say the buildings are unsafe. Hmm. Well, imagine that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so so <laughs> yeah. Of angry, they're full of angry spirits that want to yeah. justice is what they So if I can sum this up, if I can sum this up, the people of Florida are far worse than any monster <laughs> or... That you might encounter because feeding feeding little kids the alligators and the the dozers yeah yeah that's pretty much worse than uh, than the voodoo queen sending alligator men after you so, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true that, suddenly yeah you know, and that's why skunk ape sounds reasonably pleasant yeah know? yeah exactly. good you know, the, U, the, you know, the, the the UFOs of Gulf Breeze and in uh, Miami the uh, you know the ghost of Flight 401. You know, these are all things that are, 
you know, all Florida. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and then, but then you get that stuff and you're just like, you know, Oh uh, yeah, that's pretty terrible. Now, now so. before we, before we, cause I'm keeping an eye on the time here. So before we yeah. end the episode with the one story that I really want you to tell, Okay. Let's 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 get into a little UFO stuff, especially in light of the recent uh, Department of Defense. Uh, oh yeah, kind of saying admission. Hey, look, there's stuff here. Yeah, the admission. We got, we yeah, got, we, got we got stuff, stuff not here. of this earth. Quote. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. Yep. So so being down there near, you know, obviously Kennedy Space Center. What is mm-hmm. some really compelling UFO type story? You know, what's the, what's some really good stuff from down there that uh, um, there's, I mean, we, uh, the one we're working on right now that kind of led us down a rabbit hole. The one that led to uh, Erie Appalachia coming uh, was the Crestview sighting, which was near Miami um, in the uh, early uh, 1953. And um, this one is, young boy uh who's uh, outside and he's playing on uh, recess and all the other kids are going in and he's still staring up at the sky because he sees something unusual it's kind of blue and spinning and he can't figure it out and uh the teacher finally comes over and is like hey come on in come on in he's like no what's that and so the teacher sees it too so now you've got a kid and an adult you know two witnesses that's that's pretty big and they see it, and they don't know what it is either. But eventually it disappears, and they both go into class. And the next day, everybody's talking about it. What did, what did Jimmy see? What did, what did the professor see? So it's crazy, you know. They're all wondering. But it comes back. And now hundreds of witnesses, kids, teachers, everybody, they look out their windows, and there it is, much closer. Blue, glowing, disc-shaped with a, kind of a bubble on top like a turret, somebody said. And it brought friends, little ones, that are flying around it. And they fit the description of our most recent sightings, the ones that the Navy leaked, of the Tic Tacs. Okay. Hmm. This is 1950s. And they're seeing this, right? Little because, tiny ones, and they're spinning around it, and they're doing this crazy show, and then they disappear. Now, there's no keeping the kids in the classroom. They start swarming out to try to see this thing, and they're, they're filling the field and leaning against the fence trying to see where these things were. And they come back again. And this time, it's like they warp in. They just dis- they appear, and they start doing crazy maneuvers. The kids are loving it. The teachers are freaking out, you know, not knowing what to do. And then they fly into a bunch of trees without disturbing the trees. Like they flew into a portal and the kids are all disappointed because they disappeared. But then the big one comes back, does one more little show. And then it takes off into the sky at incredible speed, disappears. Now, hundreds of witnesses, what makes us go even crazier is the military show up and they start interviewing everybody. Yeah. They start interviewing everybody. What did you see? What did you see? They pulled select students out, select teachers out. 
And one of the kids says, well, they were hovering like a helicopter. So that became the official story. Oh, it was helicopters on maneuver from the nearby Coast Guard base. Oh, my goodness. And it disappears. Disappears from history. Nobody talks about it again for many, many, many years until these most recent releases. So now you go on Facebook groups, which is what I did, and said, does anybody remember the Crestview sighting? And sure enough, I have witnesses who are willing to talk about it now because they're no longer crazy that they just saw helicopters. They saw strange stuff. And these were kids, you know, then, so they've grown up. Most of them are not with us anymore, but some of them still are. And um, so it's amazing to hear their stories and what they've seen. Now, what got me on the rabbit trail is... Uh, that brought me back up north was I went and talked to one witness and uh, he had the notes from his parents when the military men came to investigate him later and question him at home. And the father had written down the names of the men who came to investigate him. Ooh, okay. So I had a captain, Captain Sinclair, which was, not uncommon, sadly. There's a few <laughs> that it could have been. <laughs> and so I'm still tracing down that lead. Uh, that was a Navy guy. <clears throat> there was a uh, Air Force man uh, whose name uh, was, a, was a Smith. So that's real helpful. Yeah. And then the last one, though, freaked me out. The last one was the man in the suit, the shiny suit. And it was just the name Cold, C-O-L-D. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're talking about Ingrid Cold. Ingrid Cold. And this guy has no story. idea who he's talking about. This witness had no clue. And so, I'm trying to not jump out of my seat and scream to high heavens that, oh, my God, Cold as connections to the United States government. Are you serious? Okay, so we just had on because uh, Cameron Jones, who is the number two Mothman guy in the world. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was on a couple, about a month ago, uh, talking about the Mothman. In fact, we just played the second part of an interview with him on yesterday's, or this, this mm-hmm. week's. And that and that was one of the crazy stories. Because I had yep. sort of heard that story. And then I started looking mm-hmm. into it. That is, that's kind of like a bombshell right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I this mean, is, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. And so suddenly I'm like, all right, I have to drive up north and we, cause we have to follow this up. And I'm talking to uh, Darren Berger's uh, daughter who, uh, you know, yeah, the, was the, guy the, guy, the guy that got stopped by yeah. Ingrid Cold in yeah. the road, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, we start following the trail. It's like, oh, so that's 1953, so this is after a year after Mothman, and he's still active, and he's working with the government. And it's like, so, and then I'm finding more and more witnesses who are talking Mothman sightings after the bridge collapse. So it was, he was still active, just nobody talked about him at that point because the newspapers didn't care and, or were told to hush it up. So, and that's, you know, so now we're down this big trail. We've got a lot of fun things coming from this book. I can't give too much away. It was supposed to be out in September, 
we were supposed to premiere it at the Mothman Festival. I was going to be a speaker with that guy. Oh, oh my and, God. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so now it's like i got to sit on it a little longer, but that's nice because we're able to make a follow-up trip this fall, and we're going to be able to get a little bit more. We're going to add some more on Flatwoods and uh, Hopkinsville Goblins. We've even got a tie into the Loveland Frogmen up in your area. And, the Loveland uh, Frogman, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've we've got a timeline that I think will surprise everybody, and I can't wait to show it to everybody. And we even go all be, the way back to I, Serpent I, Mound and Alligator Mound. I got to be honest, you dropping that name right there was a complete and total surprise, and totally like, boom! My head is just, my mind's blown. My Did you? That was my head. immediate thought when that happened. I was like. I have to tell somebody, but if I tell too many people, I'm in trouble, but I got to tell somebody. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, immediately went to, uh, Seth Breedlove of small town monsters and told him that's, my connection. And, uh, he's freaking out guy. about it. That's the perfect guy to go tell. Oh, yep. Yep. Uh, we had just worked on, uh, on the trail of UFOs that's, you know, on Amazon. And, uh, I was his Florida guy to talk about Crestview and to talk about the Gulf breeze sightings. And, um, and then he lost the footage from Florida. It all disappeared. So I'm only on the Blu-ray for like five minutes. Uh, if you go to the behind the scenes where he mentions, Hey, I lost all this footage. <laughs> mm. Oh my God. But, uh, but yeah, so Shannon Legro of into the fray who hosts that we, you know, we've been on her a few times talking about it. And then, uh, you guys, so now you got the, you got the scoop. So, it's so, and so that was just it. When I heard that, I, it changed everything. I'm like, Oh my God, what, so much for this UFO book on Florida. That's going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, my mind, and I, so I'm, the people that are listening to the, the show that have heard the, heard the Cameron Jones one yep. and heard the whole story about Ingrid Cold, I think now they will be like, oh my, it's going to dawn on them like, oh God, what is, this, this is crazy. Yep. It, that is yep. crazy for, to just drop that name. Um, and and wow. you know, on this guy's piece of paper that his dad wrote in the fifties, you know, it's got an old phone number on it. It's got, you know, some other things. And then those three names, why those three names? And, and when I talked to the, the, you know, the kid, he was like, yeah, the, the air force guy and the Navy guy asked him all the questions, the coast guard guy and the Navy uh, and the uh, air force guy give, asked him all the questions. Nobody, the other guy didn't say a word, just kept smiling. And that like, Just, the more he said, the more it was like, oh, my God, you do not know what you're doing here telling me this. And I'm trying to keep you know, reporter face and <laughs> you know, not just go, you are going to be, oh, my God, you have no idea what you just did. Uh, but uh, um, so I just, you know, took the notes and uh, thanked him. And uh, we've got his information. And, I, you know, he's we're going to talk some more when things get a little closer. But uh, right now he's. He's just happy. He, the problem is he's, a, he's kind of a, a prominent citizen down there in Crestview, so he can't let it be known that he's associated with this stuff just yet. But he's, the only reason he's willing to talk about it now is because of the Navy declassification and the Pentagon declassification. Mm, okay. Wow. So, so, is, so is Seth then going to – is he going to do like a, like, a, a, like a documentary got, on this? He's got other projects lined up, so this is going to be something we're going to cover with our show, Eerie Travels, when that okay. gets back up and running. So, 
Wow. Oh, I can't uh, wait. That, 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 is, that is fantastic. I can't. Yes. I mean, I don't know that people, just people listening can kind of draw this line around everything. And like you said, with the recent, um, you know. The Pentagon did classification. Yeah, with them just yeah. admitting, yep. like, how how crazy that is. Because, look, if we have off-world vehicles, mm-hmm. somebody was yep. somebody was, somebody was piloting. Okay. Yeah. So, are those people deceased? Are those beings deceased? Or did we uh, come and, you know, capture them or start working with them or whatever? And for you yeah. to for you to find that connection between uh, a story yeah. that is, so, is pretty well known in the Mothman circles to a story in Florida is that's yeah, insane. That had that's no insane. previous connection. Except no, that it's I a mean, similar time period. And again, one that had been forgotten. It's like a, that was what our angle on the whole thing was that it was kind of a story that nobody talked about. Nobody talked about Crestview up until a few years ago. Well, no. And, and, when, um, you, and when you hear not, UFO, when you hear UFO stories from that time period, you do not ever hear stories that are similar to the Tic Tac thing. You know, you don't ever no. hear of the, of the little ships that that are nondescript and just doing all kinds of crazy, um, crazy things, you know? Yeah. So, so, so here's the throw this out. So if, if Ingrid cold was obviously not of this world was an alien, um, if he was part and parcel of investigating UFOs, that leads to me to believe that these UFOs were not the same race that Ingrid Cold was. So and he's there kind of, as part of with Yeah, that's kinda of scary. Yeah, that's that's you know, we're you know, that's the the rabbit hole we go down is you know, uh, what did we find? Yeah, you know, what how does this how does this work? And what, what how do all these things tie together now? And and that's just it. You find out that they do. And that's I think what's crazy about this book and I can't wait for it to come out and why I was just so into it and now I'm loving that our publisher is giving us the extra you know it it sucked that we had to go the extra year but now I'm loving it because now I'm able to expand all the stories even more and get more research and talk to more witnesses Uh, Zoom has opened everything up so now I you know don't actually have to travel and I can talk to people Uh, and a lot of of people are eager eager to Zoom with an author rather than invite this crazy guy who writes eerie Florida books into his house and uh, Mm -hmm. you know some of them I still put on the tinfoil hat for them just because they always mention it so I keep one with me nearby Uh, (laughs) but but it's it's fun it's fun and uh, I cannot wait to share this with everybody so uh, believe me that's why I'm telling it on podcasts now I'm like this isn't even the biggest uh, thing that I can talk about. So that's that's the exciting part about this. I, I want to take as more. The question is: is is our podcast going to get an advanced copy? <laughs> I'm sure we can arrange that. I'm sure we can arrange that. He's called my publicist. They'll take care of it. Arcadia Publishing. That's for Mark Muncy's publicist. He'll take care of it. So. Well, now I feel this is kind of just like uh, a letdown for me to ask you to tell the story about Robert the doll. Because there's was... never a letdown with Robert. <laughs> we never it's let good, down with Robert. Robert. Robert the doll is a good dismount that will leave okay. our listeners 
pondering. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So okay. give us give us a you know a good ver- a good story around Robert the doll, and then we'll all right. Because uh, because I got to be honest, so, my well, mind well, is still blow- My mind is still so yes! about yes. about Ingrid Cold. I can't. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. I think 2020 is probably because somebody ticked off Robert. So Ooh, that could lead okay. to all of our problems. So that's how bad Robert the doll is. Mm. Okay, but we love Robert. So the first thing we all got to do before we even talk about Robert is we have to ask permission. Robert, is it okay if we talk about you today? And as long okay. as the podcast doesn't die and we don't hear anything unusual, I think Should we're good. We, okay. Do we need to? Do we need to ask to Robert? I, I would say ask it. I would Robert, just say don't yeah. poke the bear. Yep, hey, Robert, you're right. Robert, I've, I've I've experienced enough bad things. I don't wish to have you on my bad <laughs> side, or me on your bad side. So please allow Mark to uh, tell us a story about how great and powerful you are, Robert. That's right. I second okay. that. Okay. And, and I will humble myself. I will humble myself and ask permission for Robert to allow you to tell a story, just so I don't get any bad juju. No bad juju. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so Robert the doll. For those who don't know, why we're going through all this rigmarole is uh, Robert the doll is a native of Key West, Florida, and he's still there. You can go visit him, and his story inspired one of the most famous film creatures of all time, Chucky, of Child's Play. So that's how important this guy is. And if any of our listeners do not know who Chucky is, spoiler alert, it's a doll that will kill you. Yes. Yes, indeed. So Robert was the toy of Robert Eugene O'Neill, a young boy in Key West. Now, Key West at one point was the wealthiest city in America. It was the Beverly Hills, the Silicon Valley of its day. Everybody was there who was anybody. And he was a son of a very prominent family, and they could afford very nice things, and they bought this doll for Robert. Now, there's stories that the doll was a voodoo doll crafted by his, you know, by somebody and all that. That's all bogus. He was, you can find a catalog where you can actually buy a Robert the doll from the time period. Uh, again, early 1900s. And um, he got this doll. Now, this doll is about three foot tall, and it was dressed in a little sailor suit. You could dress it so it would dress the same clothes as a child. It was basically the Cabbage Patch Kid of its day. And um, he took that doll everywhere. Now, the minute they got him, weird stuff starts happening. The, uh, you know, the servants are complaining. Stuff's breaking. Uh, they hear him talk to the doll and the doll talking back in a different voice. So they start fleeing. You know, and this Key West isn't that big of a town. And the, you know, they're like, man, if we lose all our servants, where are we going to get more? So, uh, so they go to him. They go to Robert and they go, Robert, you've got to stop causing these problems. You've got to stop acting out. And the boy goes, I didn't do it. Robert did it. And they're like, you're Robert. And he's like, no, the doll has decided it wants to go by Robert. I'm going to go by my middle name, Eugene. So we don't so we don't have any other confusion anymore. Now, modern days, we'd have given that kid some Ritalin and we wouldn't have a story, but (laughs) now they go on and uh, Robert, the doll starts causing even more havoc. 
the parents finally get fed up and they lock the doll in the turret of their house up in the top, up in the attic of the turret. And uh, the house is now called the artist's house. It is a bed and breakfast in Key West. Robert was locked up in the attic for years. The family moved out. They left the doll there. Poor Eugene, sadly, lost his best friend. Uh, but people kept seeing the doll in different windows of the house and moving around. And finally, another lady buys that house. She moves in, opens the door, finds the doll, and realizes she's got the talk of the town. She's, she's going to be you know, awesome. And so she starts taking them everywhere, doing little things, and bad stuff starts to happen. Again, more breaking things, more terrible things, accidents, you know, you know, just unusual situations. So she finally is, like, fed up with the doll and gets rid of it. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And so finally the doll gets – Eugene finally moves back down to Florida, moves back to Key West, and somebody returns Robert to him. And he's so happy. And he's moved into his parents' old house. He's going to turn it into a, a museum and call it the artist's house because he has become an artist. And he takes Robert everywhere. They go to dinner together. They go to the beach together. They have separate chairs. He sleeps in his bed, much to his wife's chagrin. Uh, you know, it's, the doll goes everywhere with each other. And then Eugene dies. And the doll is given to a foundation disappears. A few years later, a museum called uh, the Fort East Martello Museum, because there's a Fort West Martello and a Fort East Martello, there's Civil War forts that have been converted into museums. And the Fort East Martello Museum comes into Robert the Doll. He winds up at their place, and they don't know what to do with him. And so they just kind of keep him in storage. But Robert doesn't like that. He starts messing with the staff. At one point, a plumber is working on the sink, and suddenly the doll is standing right behind him. Oh, Jesus. refuses to work on the sink anymore. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, and other unusual stories like that, right? So they finally decide, okay, we got to display this guy because he's getting anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put him up, and within a few years, they realize there are rules you have to follow when dealing with Robert. The first thing is you have to like gremlins if you don't follow the rules bad things are going to happen right rule one you have to be nice to robert you have to be polite to robert or bad things happen to you you get cursed the second thing is you have to ask his permission when you talk about him or take his photo so if you take a photo of him without permission bad things happen to you now what are the extent of the bad things right yeah, but, but how do you know whether he gives you consent to take his picture? That's the, well, that's the thing. If you ask and he doesn't give you permission, your pictures aren't going to come out. Things are going to be blurry. Things are going to be weird. Uh, you won't know at the time because it's not like he nods or anything like that. Um, oh, but, no, so we're screwed. We don't know if he gave us permission to talk about him. Uh, we'll find out when this airs. We'll oh. find out. Um <laughs> Now, now, the thing is, though, we've followed the rules so far, and now if you screwed up and say you didn't take it seriously, there is a wall. Well, there was a wall behind him that had lots and lots and lots of letters 
people had written to Robert saying, we're sorry, we didn't believe you. Please save us from your curse. <laughs> we hear you like letters. Now, after Hurricane uh, Irma a few years ago, they had to they wiped out a bunch of the letters, so they digitized them all, and it's now a big TV screen that just plays them um, when you go visit Robert. Uh, but it's, you can spend a day just reading the letters. Uh, now, two former presidents have written Robert. One was what? just to wish him a happy birthday. That's how serious this is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wishing Robert a happy birthday. Now, the letters are so amazing. My favorite is, um, Dear Sir Robert, let me call him Sir, uh, I'm sorry I made fun of your leather face and called it ugly. Leather is actually very nice for a face, and you are quite handsome. I'm sorry we took your photo without permission, and I said those awful things. Please remove your curse. We get the message. Please fix my eye, my Xbox, and my marriage. And I love that he put it in that order. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that guy's real problem is, is he's put his, he put his Xbox in front of his marriage. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, he needed his eye to play his Xbox. So that made sense. <laughs> but, but we're talking plane crashes, car crashes. Terrible, terrible things. Now, when we went down to visit Robert for the book to get pictures, um, we went into the museum uh, during the day and got some lovely photos of Robert, asking permission, being very fun. We asked the museum, you know, to make sure it was okay and all that. Uh, they gave us specific instructions on on uh, how to present the photos in the book, and then we went back at night. There's a tour called Ghosts and Gravestones that actually lets you go and have some alone time with Robert after dark, after the museum's closed. Does Barry White we got to go in there. Is Barry White playing in the background? <laughs> I think it's a bit more like Midnight Syndicate or Knox Arcana. <laughs> it's a different kind of vibe. Uh, uh, maybe some Phil Glass from the Candyman soundtrack. Uh, but <laughs> kill, kill, kill. Okay. Yeah. And we're in there, and everybody's taking pictures, and there's, you know, there's a bunch of people with the tour group, and we're trying to get another shot of Robert. And, uh, and you know, some people joking, you know, some people, you know, just, you know, not sure what to make of them. And I'm trying to hang out to be the last guy. And, um, and I take a photo. So thank you, Robert, for letting me take the photo. And I leave, and then I realize... I got myself in the reflection. I got some other things going. So I quickly asked the tour, can I just run back in for one minute, get one more photo? I'm like, sure. So I go back inside, take another photo, and leave. Now, we uh, spend the rest of the day at Key West the next day and, and head out and flat tire on the bridge, the 11-mile bridge oh uh, coming out of Key West, mm -hmm. which is a lot of fun. Uh, you forgot to get, ask him the second time. Exactly. Mm. And some other bad, and of course that picture is blurry as hell and didn't come out. Now the other thing we didn't notice at the time was Robert has this little lion that sits with him. It's his little plush animal, but he's had it since the beginning. And what I didn't realize is our photos from. When we were inside talking to Robert, you know, the first time, and then I go back and take it on the second time, the lion is on the other arm. 
the line. Blurry. <laughs> it's blurry as hell, and you can't see it because that photo didn't come out. But the line was on the other arm. So now so we how, called down to the museum. How did you start your letter to Robert? Uh, it was, Dear Sir Roberts. <laughs> and, uh, and Dick now Robert my, takes... my Xbox. Yes, yes, Xbox. <laughs> no, and, uh, and what's funny, though, is um, I'm like, there's no way. Nobody got in there to move him around. He's in a case. He's in this. Now, there's been stories where Robert's been found outside the museum. This is a priceless antique. And he's been found outside the museum after the museum's been locked up at night, standing by the front door with sand on his feet like he'd been out to the beach. Wow. What? Yeah. And there's other crazy stories that the museum people tell us. And uh, so it's, you know, so, yeah, it's hard to top Robert, man. And, you know, I, I, I still think somebody somebody said something to him, and that's why we're got 2020 what we got. Well, I wonder if they. I wonder if they asked permission to make to make the Chucky movies from Robert. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Robert's got to know. He might not have liked that last remake. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. I lost track. at Chucky kills the Girl Scouts or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they did that new one. The whole new robot or something. So he might not have liked that one. So, uh, but if so, you go to our so book, MaryFlorida.com. So what's your, what's my, your theory my, on, on what is Robert? What is, what is he? Besides okay, now in our third book, Creepy, we wrote about Robert in Erie. And by the time Creepy rolled around, which is a few years later, uh, we learned even more about Robert. And we learned more about the artist's house and uh, where Robert was originally at. And that hotel, or bed and breakfast, notoriously haunted by crazy stuff mm. and seriously powerful poltergeist activity, tons of evidence recorded there. And the turret room and Robert's room are two of the most active. Now, my question is at that point, he's a doll. He's built in Germany and sent to Florida. You know, um, what if it's just a doll? But like, kind of like Annabelle, uh, who was just a raggedy hand doll, you know, what if something got into it? And what well, if something I, from the artist's house got into Robert? It, isn't that, I mean, that's almost obviously has to be the, and, and what about yeah, the That has lion? to be the case. What about the lion? Exactly. The lion, is the lion might have something in it. Yeah. yeah. It's, and that's our theory. We don't like to use the term supernatural, especially now. Look at, the, like I said, with the Navy, you know, just for unreleased, you know, declassifying we have stuff not of this earth i think we like the old term shirley jackson promoted way back in the day called preternatural it's stuff we just don't understand yet it's stuff that we might someday like back in the day people didn't believe in magnetism didn't understand it so they just refused to admit it existed and i think that's what happens with ghosts sometimes with ufos i think what happens with bigfoot i think there's a lot more connections to all these things than we realize and uh I mean, for years, UFO people wouldn't talk to Bigfoot people. Bigfoot people wouldn't talk to ghost people. You know, I was like, oh, they're, they're, they're freaks. And now we're all realizing we're all part of the same thing. And these yeah, pseudosciences are no longer as pseudo as they used to be. We're learning quantum theory. We're learning parallel universes exist. We're learning, you know, we've actually got proof of some of these things. So it's only going to be a matter of time before we realize, okay, ghost is something we just don't understand. Robert is just something we don't understand. 
Indrid cold is something we don't understand. You know, doesn't mean it's tinfoil hat stuff. We just don't know. And that's what we're in for. We're in for the long haul to figure it. Hopefully, we get some more connections. And, and finding these connections, bringing them out, there you go. We've well, laid still, it out, and hopefully somebody picks it up. I am still standing by my theory that it was, I had discussed earlier that the Mothman, the Dogman, Bigfoot are all just nothing but intergalactic pets that these space travelers on their way past the Earth stopped, you know, for like a bathroom break. And mm-hmm. and these are their pets that just got loose, took off, run, and now they're just running wild all over. Because, you yeah, know, I'm- that's what... That's what your dog. That's what your dog. If you know you're out there and gets off the chain, it's going to take mm-hmm. off running, and you may not be able to get it back. That's that's my. That is my theory. Is that all these creatures that we don't understand are are from somewhere else, and maybe got left here, got loose, or whatever. But then again, we're and that, we're talking about Robert the doll. How do we? How do we? You know, because you're right. Yeah. Think just because we don't understand, and I think, I think if we let ourselves, we could understand it. But a lot of people don't want to. Ex- you know, it's, it's got to be black or white. You know. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're learning yeah. with quantum theory and string theory that I mean, one of our uh, researchers that we talked to when we were looking at the UFOs of Gulf Breeze, uh, he's more convinced that it's extra dimensional. It's like, he's like, it's so much easier to, we, we're learning, it's so much easier to breach a dimension than it is to breach 100 billion miles in space. So what if they're just from a parallel you know, dimension? What are, that's why people see green flashes before Mothman or Bigfoot. And people see things, what if, it, that's why the footprints just disappear, they just stop. You know, what if, you know, people are always like, well, why is it always a ghost of a Victorian thing? Why isn't it a caveman ghost? Maybe that's part of what Bigfoot is. You know, it's all these things are questions that we've got to answer at some point. And uh, at some point we will. I, I, I firmly believe at some point we're going to realize that this isn't well, all bogus. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I agree. You, you know what, you know what, Mark, as we as we wrap this up, I'm going to put this out there. Thank God for people like you that are trying to put answers to these questions and present it in a way that we can all maybe wrap our minds around. You know, I bet got to hand it to hand it to you going out there and, and searching down searching out these stories and and uh because if you hadn't been searching for, for the one ufo story you'd never made this ingrid cold thing that was yep. gonna i i think once you wrap get bring put this out it might blow the lid off of some stuff i think you, i'm certainly hoping so i mean if nothing else i just hope more people talk and more people are willing to come forward because it's always oh crazy uncle joe had that story I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite movies is Independence Day. And oh, uh, yeah. when, yeah. you know, and the one guy, you know, Russell Case got in, you know, got abducted by aliens. The aliens show up, they're blowing up our cities, and everybody still thinks he's crazy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, well, it's because he claimed he got probed. You know, I mean, right, exactly. But, but how do we know he didn't? They're going to come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Mark, okay, so. Tell everybody quick where they can come find uh, and more yeah. information about you. Find your books, and if you have a cra- if if you have a crazy story, whether it's Florida or the or Ohio and the Appalachian region, yeah. get a hold of Mark. 
tell them your yep. store. Yep, uh, it's uh, you can find us at eerieflorida dot com, uh, e e r i e florida dot com, f l o r i d a. Um, you can uh, that is where that's our hub. It shows all of our you know that links to all our social media and everything. It also is where you can order books directly from us, where we'll sign them, and my lovely and talented wife will you know do a little doodle in there for you, and uh, for a little extra she'll do a nice sketch. Uh, and uh, well, I know a lot of people love her prints, and uh, and she's got monsters and myths galore because she's also illustrated a bunch of the other eeries that I didn't write. So she's done Erie, Alabama, Erie, New Mexico, uh, a bunch of other stuff from our, our publisher. Loves her, so she gets to illustrate lots of the other books that it's they don't so, want me to write. Is there any truth? <laughs> is there any truth to the uh, illustration of the From the Shadows podcast crew that she's going limited edition? She's going to do. Oh yeah, I'm sure we could come up with something. I know she just <laughs> finished a couple early Mothman prints, uh, so we might go with those. But uh, there's some others that uh, are in the works for Erie Appalachia. We've been kind of sitting on them. They were supposed to start coming out, but uh, because of the delay. But we're going to start leaking them out over the next year. But you can also find us anywhere books are sold. Uh, if you come to Florida at all, we're everywhere. You can find our books in like every gas station and thrift shop. And, uh, you know, uh, you go to at Walgreens or CVS down here, we're in the little section because our publisher loves us. And, um, and uh, you know, but, you know, we prefer you get it from your friendly local bookstore. Any of them can order it. But if you want them direct from us, we're happy to do that, too. And that way you get a little certain sum for me and then you can also watch for eerie travels which will be coming soon uh and uh that uh like i said right now it's just got some pre-production stuff but i think you'll all be excited to follow it and see where it goes I'm, i've been, been excited to film it so far so well we'll make sure we'll put some uh, links up to uh, that show when it comes out so people so our fans of the podcast uh on on our after the shadows forum page can go check it out and and you know, make sure they can find you and see some of your stuff. So we're we're super. I know we're super excited. We've been texting back and forth uh, behind yep. the scenes. We're super excited to see where this whole other UFO stuff goes. So yeah, I know, too, I, know so. We'll be, I know we'll be uh, we'll be having you back to discuss what you can discuss when that stuff comes out. Because yeah, yeah, as soon as it starts getting a little closer, I will I will be glad to come back on, guys. It's been an honor. So. No, Great. it's been a lot of fun. It's been yeah. a lot of yes, fun. Yes, it has been very enlightening. Yes, yeah. So, well, Mark, you stay safe down there in Florida. Dodge the hurricanes. Dodge the, the COVID-19. Dodge the herpes infected. Herpes infested pythons. Wow. Pythons. <laughs> well, they eat the monkey. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> imagine, imagine what those natural resource officers down there are like. Okay, what do we got to? What do we got to worry about now? You know. <laughs> oh, the, we ticked the, off Robert. Yeah. Now we got to deal with this now. So. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, Mark. Well, we'll uh, we'll let you go. But thank you so much for joining us. This was great. Uh, and I and any of our uh, listeners get a hold of Mark. Tell him how great it was. Yeah. It, if you got some stories, I'm sure he's the guy that uh, that would appreciate it the most. Yeah. So yeah, right off erieflorida.com, there's a button. You know, tell us your stories. Just click on that, and it comes right to me. So fantastic. Right. Well, thanks, Mark, and we will uh, we will talk to you soon. 
Uh, have a great one, guys. And I'll, I'll say like we used to say at the old haunted house, see you on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thank right, you. Thanks, Mark. All right. Thanks, Bye. guys. Have a great night. Yep, you too. Yep. Bye. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.